Thank you all for coming today. It's, it's a real pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm Steve McMullen. I teach economics at Hope College. Um, I, I actually lived in Grand Rapids for a while and spent years right here at Shawnee Park Christian Reformed Church. And weirdly, I think this is the first time I've stepped foot in Grand Rapids Christian High School, which is weird because I, I, I parked there over and over again. And, um, and we've been involved in, in this research that I'll tell you about. All right. So uh, what I want to do today is I want to do I want to do two big things. I want to talk to you about uh, some empirical research we've done in schools um, with high, middle school, grade school, middle school, and high school students. Although I'll mostly talk about middle school and high school, high school kids um, in one-to-one laptop programs and their screen time use uh, of various kinds. And I want to put that in context of the best research I've found in in medical journals and psychology journals and whatnot that that try to get at this question of where should we be concerned with just the volume of time that young people spend looking at screens. So it'll be two things. Hopefully I'll be able to give you some some context, some real numbers to look at about about what we're observing, but then also put it in the context of the research. Um, the, the broad picture I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer you is that um, there's plenty of things to worry about with young people today, but the mere fact that they're looking at a computer screen probably isn't at the top of the list. We'll see if you agree with me by, by the time we're done. All right? So, let me see. If I, there we go. All right, so here, here's my outline. Um, we're going to start with kind of the empirical questions. Right? What do we actually see when we talk to students and when we talk to teachers and when we observe students in classrooms in terms of how much time uh, teenagers are, are using uh, electronic devices or digital devices uh, both in school and out of school? Right? And I think we should, there's reason to be, to be thoughtful about both of them, particularly in, in schools where all of the, the kids have laptops. Um, or using technology a lot uh, in, the, in the curriculum. But then, uh, with that context, then we'll move into the, the broader research, and we'll try to ask questions about when should we, we should be worried when we shouldn't. Uh, so, the context here is uh, that I worked for about six years with some colleagues at, at Calvin University on a research project in which we, we extensively surveyed students and teachers and parents and administrators about... Um, digital uh, device use uh, and pedagogy using computers um, and all of the all of the sort of apparatus and the thinking and, and going on in in one-to-one laptop programs in Christian schools and we were we were extensively involved in two schools that will remain nameless to protect the innocent um, and and we did we did lots of surveying and we tried to try to get at the question from multiple ends so sometimes I'm going to be showing you survey data where we just sent electronic surveys to students and asked them like, how do you spend your time? And sometimes I'll, I'll show you data that we get from actually sitting in classrooms and just taking notes about what people are doing, what teachers are doing, what students are doing, sort of uh, every couple of minutes throughout the school day. Um, but overall, right, this is the... Um, oh, sorry, this is the context. What I was just describing was the next bit. Right. Um, the, the, the goal was to try to get kind of a complete 360-degree view of how technology is changing teaching and learning, uh, and also to think about how, or to examine how people are thinking about technology in Christian education, um, and to see how these things match up and interact. Uh, The result was this book, which you can buy uh, anywhere obscure Erdman's volumes are sold, um, certainly on the internet. 
Um, my co-authors are David Smith, Marge Tripster, and Kara Sevensma. Um, you probably know them, even if you don't know me, uh, because they have a bigger footprint um, in, in the education world. They're all education professors. Uh, I'm, I'm the economics professor in the group, and they, they brought me into the team because I think crunching numbers is, is fun, and, and that's what I do. Um, and, and if you know these folks, um, with the exception, I mean, Marge, Marge and Kara can do everything, but David is a little bit allergic to crunching numbers. So, um, so it was a really good team, and, and we worked together for a while, um, and this book was the result. And what I'm going to be showing you here is, um, like, all the numbers you can find in the book. Um, but, but then I'm, I'm trying to supplement with, with stuff that's come out since then um, in, terms of, in terms of research and context. Oh, and if you have questions, don't hesitate to ask me along the way. I have no idea how long this presentation is going to go, because I haven't given this particular one before. And I really like the sound of my own voice, or I wouldn't be a teacher. Uh, but, uh, but, but as we go through, it would be totally natural, because I'll just be switching topics as we go. So if you, if you have a question about something I'm talking about in particular, don't hesitate to, to speak up, and, and you won't offend me. Um, all right, let's start with the basics. Uh, let's, let's ask the first descriptive question. All right, if we hand a bunch of middle school and high school students a laptop as part of their education, uh, how much are they actually going to be using that laptop in school and out of school? Uh, and one of the reasons I think this, the raw numbers are interesting here is that when we sat down with parents, we did lots and lots of focus groups with parents and students and teachers, but when we sat down with parents, they, they gave us a couple of stories or a couple of narratives keep coming up when we asked them about the technology program um, that their students were in. Uh, on the one hand, they were very happy to be at a school where technology was being integrated. They were certain that the use of these laptops was going to give their, their kids some, some basic technological literacy that would give them a real leg up going forward. All right, so that was the optimism. On the other hand, they weren't 100% sure that that world they were preparing their students for was a world they wanted, right? So they were not, they, while they were happy that their students were learning these things, they were not necessarily happy with the idea of their kids using computers all the time. And the story we got was this. Well, I send my kid to school, and they're basically just staring at that computer all day. And then they come home, and they're staring at their phone all day. And when they're not staring at their phone, they're doing their homework, which is staring at the computer. Right? So their sense of, at least the, the caricatured sense of what their, their high school student's life looked like was, was, was just a, a nonstop technological mediation to the outside world. Right? They were always using the computer to talk to people, to do their work, to get their information. We did not find, when we actually talked to students, um, that they thought they were using their computers as much as their parents thought. And then when we observed students in the classroom, the number fell a little bit further still. So our observation of what was happening in the classroom did not match what the parents were saying. And it didn't quite match what the students were saying either. Um, so I think there's a tendency for all of us a little bit to exaggerate the amount of time that students were actually using, using their screens. But here's, uh, that's the context. So what we have here is we have two schools that we, that we surveyed. And this is, um, what I'm showing you here is just the survey that went out to students. And we just asked them questions. How much time do you spend using different kinds of electronic devices on a typical day? And, and, they, and it was a multiple choice question. It was electronic. Our, um, our response rate ranged between 30 and, and 60 or 70%. It wasn't awesome. We could talk about the survey methodology. 
Um, I mean, that's actually pretty good for surveys, but it's not awesome for social science research. Um, and um, and so, so with all those caveats, what we did is we took those numbers and we just averaged them, and we broke them down by device types. So um, both of the, these are modern and west. These are our, um, our fake names for two schools. Um, these two schools have different kinds of technology programs, but they're both one-to-one -one programs. All right? and, and I could say more. Suffice it to say that we wanted to compare um, schools with different kinds of programs. That had, the programs have been around different lengths of time. Um, the, the modern Christian school uh, program, their laptop program had been going uh, for quite a bit longer, and it looked like the technology was more deeply integrated into the curriculum. And so it's not too surprising that students reported in a school day an average of about four hours of time using their computer. Like I said, that's actually higher than what we observed when we visited the classrooms, um, but there was a lot of um, a lot of time reported, much less in this program where the laptops were there, but there was less work to integrate it into the curriculum. But then, um, then far little time with, with desktops and tablets. Those weren't as common in the school. This survey probably would have gone out about 2015. This might ch change since then. I think tablets are more common. Desktops are probably less common than they were then. Um, but then smartphone uh, use in school. Um, at the time, the rules in these schools were such that you could have, my understanding is you could have your smartphone with you, but teachers wouldn't want you to be using it in class. So this hour and a half is probably like every free moment when you weren't in class or something of the sort, I think is the way we can interpret this, but there's also study halls and, and all this kind of stuff, and maybe, you know, um, some, some sneaky use in class. Anyway, so you add all this up and you get a, you get a pretty big number. This is what students were reporting in modern Christian school on a smaller but still big number. Right, and you can, um, I think it actually would be really interesting um, if we get time for, for you guys to to say whether, which of these numbers look plausible to you? Has anything changed in the last five years? Or, or do you think the students are just are saying something that, that goes counter to your observation, this kind of thing? Um, but that's the in-school use. Um, now, when we actually um, sat down in the classrooms, as I said, we, we did a bunch of observations, and we did this in two different ways. We, uh, we sat down, we did, a, we did a random, like the teacher didn't even know we were coming, random visit. Um, thank you again to all the teachers and administrators that let us do this crazy stuff. But, um, but the teacher would find out the, the day of, and we'd just show up in their class, and we'd show up for, for, for a set chunk of time and just observe everything that we saw. And particularly, we were focusing on technology use, and we wanted to know how much time, different kinds of technology were being used in the classroom, but more importantly, how technology was being used, because we were paying attention to curriculum and, and pedagogy. Um, I'm going to put aside the interesting pedagogical questions for now. We're going to focus on kind of the volume, though. And what we saw in, in 31 elementary school classrooms is that about, about 25, about a quarter of the time, there was a, a learning activity that was using some kind of screen. And, um, and we, we broke this down pretty broadly. So in these elementary school classrooms, the most common kind of screen would have been, um, would have been a tablet. Um, although I think we also would have counted if the students were interacting with a screen like this, um, and we could we could break those apart. Um, and the kinds of things they were doing um, was was the sort of things you'd probably expect in an elementary classroom. Um, there was a lot of activities that allowed them to practice basic skills in terms of reading, writing, um, and drilling different things. Once we move to the middle school and high school, we get up to about fifty percent of the time in activities. Um, we're using direct screen time. And so that's about half 
the time in their classroom, which is, um, which is less than what you would expect given the student response. Um, but, but it's still a fair bit of time. So about 50% of the time, the students were doing something with computers. Oh, this, is, this would be the, the modern Christian school this, these observations were done in. And about 50% of the time, um, the, the activities in the classroom were not using any kind of digital device. Um, so in some sense, we can go back to parents right away and say, actually, you know, using the screens, uh, even at the high school, the most, the most intense use was, was about 50% of the time. And... Um, and it tended to always be academic, right? This was, this was the, the other underlying concern, is that what we saw using computers across lots of different classrooms uh, was that computers were used almost always for academic purposes, and, and I, I can show you some things on that later. Now, um, the one interesting thing here is um, we want to pay attention to the kinds of activities, like I said, and, and I, can just, I can just tip my hat to this kind of thing, um, lots of times, particularly at the upper, at the, at the higher grades, um, the technology was, in some sense, doing what the schools wanted it to do, and that is is push more learning toward open-ended inquiry kinds of activities, right? And that's one of the things we wanted to know: is are the computers actually connecting students to external resources? Are they using them primarily just as an as an alternative to writing by hand? Is it just a typewriter with um, with a higher bill? Or is this, right, is this a research tool? And it looked like almost all the time it was a research tool or a collaboration tool, right? Which is one of the things we were, we were trying to figure out. Okay. We can come back to what's going on in the schools. Um, I'd like to flip now to what we, find, what we learned about what happened after the students left the school. Because this is the other piece of the question. One of our underlying research questions was, if you give laptops to, to students, do you change the way they're interacting with technology after they're outside of the school? Right? Are we maybe inside of the school? It's mostly productive, but this, is this just increasing the amount of time that they're interacting with screens at home, maybe in an unhealthy fashion? If so, that would be that would be unfortunate. So what we have here is um, this is average daily interactive screen time outside of school. So we asked a similar sort of questions to students about what kinds of devices they were using. Um, and what kind of frequency. Um, we have the two schools we compared earlier, but for this one, I also was able to find a nationally representative study of a survey of students about the same age, uh, not necessarily in any kind of one-to-one -one program. And this gives us a little bit of a comparison point, right? And so we have broken down, we have this, this nationwide study of just sort of average teenagers of this age, and then we have the behavior of the students in these particular um, Christian schools. And, and what we see here is that one thing, one thing is not going to be shocking to anyone. When you give every student their own computer and let them bring them home, the computer use goes way up. Um, and there's some trade-off, like there's less video game use. Right? So they're both schools we saw, we saw young folks spending less time on video games and a lot more time on their computers. Because, of course, computers can also be video game devices, right? So there's you know, and you know, you can do YouTube on anything these days, and, and that was true at the time as well. So there was, and there's some restrictions on that, and we can get into that. But, um, but there's some substituting that goes on. Smartphone use was pretty consistent across the board. Smartphones look like they're being used for totally different things. Uh, tablets are pretty consistent. Like I said, that would be a lot bigger today than, than it was when the data were collected. Um, but we do see this big uptick, about, about twice as much um, computer use um, for students in these schools as. as 
um, is in our nationwide sample. Um, now that doesn't, of course, mean that this this use is uh, is improper or it's um, or it's, it's distracting them from what they should be doing. Although that's a big concern we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, and, and and keep in mind that we know that the vast majority of the homework that these students were doing um, was electronic. So once you give everyone uh, a laptop, as as you all well know, probably then there's a strong incentive then to have all the homework be electronic. You don't have you know students learn, losing papers. You have a, a paper trail for everything. You know when everything was turned in. Um, I, I can't go I can't go back to the world in which students are carrying things out of their notebooks and handing it to me. I don't want to, I don't want that world. But um, so having it all electronic is great. But it also means that this these three hours um, are very likely homework time, right? And we didn't break that out. So I don't know the degree to which this is um, this is YouTube and the degree to which this is homework. Although uh, our discussion with students leads us to indicate that of course YouTube and homework are complementary and that there's no reason why you can't do both at the same time. Um, I mean, there's a lot of reason why you can't do both at the same time. Psychologists tell you that you definitely can't do both at the same time, but young people firmly believe that you can. Okay. Um, for my daughter right now, it's Alexish. We have we have this. Um, this Amazon Echo Dot, and she just plugs her headphones in, and she talks to it, and it knows what she wants to listen to, and, and it's really creepy, but she's listening to um, to music uh, while she does her math all the time. Okay. Uh, so, I'm going to show you actually a little bit more later, but, but now I want to shift a little bit, um, unless there are, are questions, to putting what we just saw in the context of what people worry about with screen time. Pressing concerns or questions? I'm just curious, that last screen that you showed, was that um, a certain age group? Oh, yeah, let me, let me go back. So um, this is, I think this is all high school students, although um, for, some, for some of these data that I lumped in middle school students, but I think for comparison on this, um, particularly comparing to the nationwide study, I limit this one to high school students. This is just interacting, like watching TV and things like that is not... So here's, the, the TV is weird, as, I'm like, it's just not, um, like TV so often happens on these devices now, and, and when we collected this data, it was, um, it was kind of in between. So we did ask them about TV, um, but, um, but it wasn't as big as we expected, and I couldn't compare it easily with this, and so I didn't know how to include that in the table in, in an honest way, and so we, we left that out. Um, so we're mostly, yeah, we're mostly focused on um, on interactive devices, right, digital devices that you're that you're doing something with. Although, of course, you know they're now TVs. So, so it's an artificial distinction. All right. So now let's let's shift. And what I want to do at this point is then I want to try to survey um, the the kinds of concerns that come up when we start worrying about young people and, and digital devices and screens. Um, and and so I'm going to try to sort of talk through all of them and, and provide a little bit of a framework for what I think are the big concerns and which ones seem to be a real problem and which ones don't. Don't. Um, and what I'm going to I mean the, this magazine cover is just is just for fun. Um, because I don't think we've ever seen any reason to believe that screen time would be killing you. But, um, but I should note right from the outset that there's lots and lots of big questions that are kind of lumped together in our popular consciousness when we start talking about young people and digital devices. And that is that it's really difficult to separate out the amount of time you're using a digital device 
from what you're doing with the digital device. Um, and it could be that what you're doing with a digital device is actually really destructive. And you can insert here all our concerns about social media. There's been a lot in the news recently about Facebook knowing that Instagram was destructive for young women in particular, but maybe not sharing it with the public or hiding their, their own internal data on this. Um, and, and I want to put aside the question about social media a little bit. Um, I can tell you that, that we've, we've surveyed that research as well, and, and to date I have never seen any study that showed a big impact of social media on young people. But there are, there is evidence from multiple studies that for, for young women in particular, um, large amounts of social media use uh, can be correlated with increase in anxiety and depression. Um, on the flip side, there's also data that indicates that moderate social media use is correlated with a, with a better self-image or more confidence and less depression. And so there's a weird relationship between social media and young people, particularly women, that, I, um, that is out there. But I want to sideline that a little bit and ask um, the more specific question about just the volume of time that young people are using digital devices and not try to answer the question about what kinds of use are healthy enough. That make sense? All right. Although we can talk about that if you want. So I, I, the color doesn't really come through once we project it in this lighting, but I tried to group three different kinds of concerns. So the most common and the most well-documented set of concerns are, uh, are, these, are these ones at the top. Um, so there's lots of concern about, uh, about obesity and exercise and, uh, with, with, and the trade-off between that and screen time use. Sleep deprivation, the same thing. Um, distraction, I can talk about with some detail because we have data on that. Um, related, we have some really good studies about academic performance and use of screens. And then when we move into the things that we're most worried about, maybe as parents and as teachers, depression, anxiety, and addiction, um, the data just isn't as good. Um, the studies are contradictory. We don't have big effects. We certainly don't have big enough effects to account for the increases in, in mental health uh, concerns among young people. Like, we don't have the studies saying that, yes, there's this big increase, and we know why. Well, what we can document is there's a lot more screen use, and there's a lot more depression, and we haven't gotten the studies yet that have been able to tie those two together in a, in a convincing way to me yet. But well, let's, let's start at the top and kind of move our way down. One of the ways of thinking about these, these first concerns, obesity and sleep deprivation and some others, is just that um, the biggest problem with screens is that they are really fun, and they tend to crowd out other things that are more healthy. Right? And I think this is the biggest takeaway, is it's not that looking at the screen is doing something bad to you. Like, I remember for a while we were concerned that holding, a, maybe we still are, and I just stopped paying attention, that having a phone close to your ear, would like the radiation would be damaging or something over a long period of time. No one's told me I, I should be worried about that in at least five years. So maybe that concern <laughs> is, is gone, or maybe we've just said, yes, it's a problem, but we can't live without our phones. I don't know. Um, but like that, that was a, that's a problem where the actual device, the concern was, would be causing a health problem. Um, what we actually see in the literature is not that these devices are causing health problems because of the nature of the device. It's just that there's so much cool stuff that you can do on these devices that young people in particular are spending more time on the devices and then less time on these other things we want them to be doing. And that's the way we should think about the obesity and the sleep deprivation and, to a certain degree, the distraction, although we can talk more about that. But with the obesity stuff is, of course, there's, there's increasing trends toward obesity among young people in the United States over the last um, 
over the last 50 years in particular, um, which, is, which is a bigger trend, we do see correlations between exercise and screen use. And this was true for TVs before we ever got um, you know, iPads and whatnot. Um, but it is also true if you start looking at video game use um, and, and time spent on, on laptops and on tablets and on phones. Right? Kids who are using screens more are exercising less. Same with sleep in particular. And, and there's you know, concerns about lighting and, um, and sleep rhythms. But it's also the case that for young people, it's very tempting just to stay up very late, you know, flipping through social media or watching um, reruns of The Office or something of the sort. Um, maybe they don't do that anymore. Maybe that's older kids. I'm getting old myself. I'm not honestly sure what, what folks are watching these days. But, um, but th- those are concerns, and those are really well documented. Right? And, and then the next set of concerns is that there might be something about using these devices um, that makes it harder to do even the thing that you're trying to do. And that's where I group distraction and the poor academic performance, is we actually know that there's some kinds of academic tasks where if you use a computer, you're going to do it less well than if you weren't using a computer. Right? Note-taking is a good one here in terms of learning material. And then these last ones are, are psychological uh, issues that are very serious and also hard to document. And so that's the, that's the kind of way I group these, and I'll, I want to talk about some specific um, studies. First, let's go to the American Academy of Pediatrics. So, uh, so the American Academy of Pediatrics, they're one of these, um, these organizations that offers kind of, um, authoritative advice to parents and teachers and to pediatricians, of course, about you know, what we should do with their kids. And so I'd like to go here first because they've been issuing guidance about technology use for some time. And the strongest guidance regard is, is with infants, right? They have, there's been concerns for a long time that excessive um, attention to screens among, among infants and very young children is a problem. And again, I'm going to bracket that issue entirely um, and ask instead, what, what should we worry about for, for older kids? And here's the kind of guidelines they give us. Um, and notice most of the concerns I have to do with either um, a trade-off between physical activity and something else that's healthy, or something bad that you might be doing while you're on the screen. So they worry about physical activity and sleep, right? We talked about that. Uh, they worry about cyberbullying and sexting and online solicitation and all of these things that make us worried when, when young people are, are on the Internet unsupervised, uh, particularly the parts of the Internet that are anonymous. Um, and then um, and they make advice about just providing limits, right, which makes sense, for particularly for social media use. Um, and then they give us the, the very helpful advice that, no, you cannot watch TV and do your homework at the same time. Um, and, and so this is, this is what the, the American Academy of Pediatrics is saying. Um, and I think it's useful to note that there's, a, there's no point in their documents that I've ever found that's, that, that offer any concern about using digital devices for academic purposes. And I was watching this very carefully over the last five or six years, of course, because this was our big question, is if we hand laptops to kids in schools, is this going to, going to undermine them in some way academically? Um, and and we, haven't found, we haven't found any consistent evidence that using computers appropriately for academic purposes is a problem, um, with the caveats that I will give you here in a second. All right, so let's dig into some of these that I think are particularly relevant. Um, this is a study from the journal Pediatrics, so I put their logo up at the top, um, just asking uh, about this trade-off between use of screens, mostly for entertainment, and whether or not a student completes their homework. 
Right? And I think this is, this is one way of getting at this distraction question. Are our laptops distracting to students in a, in a really damaging way? We're looking here at kids between 6 and 17, so this is going to go through middle school and high school, and we see a very unsurprising and very strong result, that if you are using screens uh, or media exposure is what they're talking about, um, if you're less than, from zero to two hours a day, you're very likely to complete all your homework. This is the probability that you'll be completing your homework on a regular basis. Right. Uh, and then as you add more uh, digital media exposure, then it drops noticeably. Two to four hours, we're down to 80% homework completion. Four to six hours a day, we're down around 50%. And more than six hours a day, we're down around 40%. Now, that's totally unsurprising because anybody who's staring at a, a digital media six hours a day, I mean, there's only so many hours, right? There isn't much time left to do your homework. So actually, you know, 40%, that seems pretty good. That person is actually multitasking successfully a lot of the time. Um, but but this, is, this gives us, I think, a really, a really strong correlation for a basic story that we know to be true, that this can be done excessively, that too much screen time and entertainment is going to trade off with homework. And we can tell the same story for, for exercise and for other kinds of healthy social interaction and this kind of thing. And this is, this is good because this is, a, this is a somewhat recent, but it's also a really big study that just had a really nice, uh, very large sample. We can also see that this kind of distraction can happen inside academic work, and that can be a problem. Um, what I'm going to show you here is a couple of quotes. So we just interviewed just ads of students about their use of technology, and um, and we're interested in hearing what they think about the technology's usefulness to them as students. Right, so here's one quote that I'll, that I'll read to you, but I'll, um, I'll highlight one particular piece. Um, this student said, I think we learned the ability to decide for ourselves when it's okay personally to have technology. This is a common theme. Uh, high school students really like their own autonomy. Right? Um, there are classes that move too slowly, and I can take a break and check my phone. This breaks my heart. I'm a teacher. Um, but there are classes that if my teacher's discussing something and it's important and it's interactive and I'm really trying to grasp a concept, then I'm not going to check my phone. So the student is, is expressing the ability to make their own judgment about when it would be appropriate to use their phone in class and when it wouldn't. And it has to do with whether or not they think they're tracking whether the class is moving quickly enough. Um, I mean, I don't have to tell you that this is terrible, right? Okay. <laughs> because, because, you know, the students that are checking their phones in my classes, like, they're not making good decisions. Okay. Um, all right, another student. Yeah, I think it does disturb my work or workflow. We asked a question about whether or not um, this technology was distracting. But I think we have kind of adapted to that, too, and are using it efficiently at the same time. Uh, because I'll have my phone next to me, and if I get a notification, I'll check it, or a text, I'll text back, but it doesn't really interrupt my way of thinking through an assignment or project necessarily. It just distracts me for a little bit of time. Right? Um, and I mean, this is a perfectly normal thing for a student to say, and I've got to tell you, when I'm working on a, on a paper and I'm totally dialed in, I also have my phone next to me, and when a text come in, comes in, I do check it, and I mean, everything the student says is true, right? But we also know that there's good psychological research that these notifications that are coming through are actually more harmful to our ability to think deeply and focus on something than we tell ourselves they are. 
right? So one of the things I learned to do five years ago, just as an adult trying to survive this new world, was turn off all the notifications on my phone for emails and for social media so that I wouldn't constantly be buzzed by my phone every time someone said something that may or may not be important on the internet. Um, and um, and you see this kind of you see this kind of dynamic that students in high school are working through that question: How can I be a productive person and also be dialed into this online world and and deal with the constant distractions that are there? So the, I think these attitudes are really common, but neither of them are super healthy. Right? I don't think either of these students um, and and the vast majority of the students we talked to were pretty optimistic about their ability to manage distraction. Um, and and our, our observation was that they were far more optimistic about their ability to manage the distractions that come with these digital devices uh, than they should have been. Um, and and I, can, I can show you some more about that. But these, these are the kind of attitudes we saw. Now, let's, um, let's dig into some more research. This is a, an older study, but it's a classic. So um, this is just a study of using mobile phones while a students were in class. Like, what, what actually do we know about how effective that is? Can you do that? Students who are not using their mobile phones wrote down 62% more information in their notes. That's, that's actually a lot. And they took more detailed notes. They were able to recall more detailed information from the lecture and scored a full letter grade and a half higher on a multiple choice test than those students who were actively using their mobile phones during class. All right, so there is actually just having the mobile phone and making use of it during class it, it, it does seem to have a pretty big effect on students' ability to perform in their class. Now, quick caveat, it's quite possible in a study like this that the students who were using their phone were making a choice to use their phone in part because they cared less about the class, and the students who were not using their phones made a choice not to because they were particular, they did care about the class. So I don't know that this comparison is 100% valid. Right? The, the scholar in me says, I, I want to know more. But, but as, a, as a first... Um, as a, as a first glance at what kind of differences we see between those who are using phones and not. I mean, it's worrisome. All right, here's another uh, one. This one's even older, but I haven't been, I haven't ever, I, I keep using this study because the, because the results are, are really instructive. So this one's about using laptops in class. <laughs> Students who use laptops in class, the, the context here uh, for this particular study was a big lecture in a college. All right, a big lecture classroom. Some students were using their laptops to take notes, and, and a lot of students were not. Um, so, students who use laptops in class spent considerable time multitasking on that laptop, uh, and the laptop posed a significant distraction to both users and to fellow students around them. Uh, most importantly, the level of laptop use was negatively related to several measures of student learning, including self-reported understanding of course material and overall course performance. Um, so, using the laptop in the class to take notes uh, doesn't seem to help. The notes aren't as good, and the overall learning isn't as good as the students aren't using a laptop to take notes for this sort of basic function. Uh, I have, at, at a couple of occasions, brought my kids into my college classroom um, because, you know, snow day or something of the sort. And so I'll have my girls sit in the back with their, with their books or their drawing or something, and then I'll be in front talking about, about microeconomic theory. And then we're done, and my girls will come up breathless to me and say, Dad, 
some of your students were not taking notes. <laughs> they were they were playing this really cool snake game, and I really want to I really want to play that snake game. Dad. Can we go find that? Um, and and of course, I, as a teacher, I've always known this. When the students open their laptop, I can't see the screen. They know I can't see the screen. You know from their reaction, the reaction of the student around them, that this is ESPN they're looking at. You know, not the Federal Reserve website or something of the sort. But um, but this is a thing. All right, so so. So having the computer there, uh, they they tend to multitask. Now, I think it's instructive to think about how this works and why this happens the way it does. Um, Our devices, of course you all know this, can do lots of fun things. In fact, they can do a thousand things that are more fun than my economics lecture, right? Um, In fact, I mean... Sleeping is usually more fun than my lecture at times. I had a student that was audibly snoring the other day, and it was embarrassing for us all. Uh, so, uh, so this is an issue. Uh, so, when you're using a laptop or where you're using another digital device for an academic purpose that requires a lot of concentration, your brain is constantly tempted to just move that mouse and click on something that is more entertaining, that gives you gives you a more entertainment value per second, right? Your brain is constantly trained to make that move over to check your email, that's more fun. To check social media, that's way more fun. To go to YouTube and watch just a quick 15-minute clip of somebody like falling into a lake, obviously more fun. Uh, and all of these things are subconsciously always pulling you. And, and this has a big effect, not just on your average level of productivity, but your ability to concentrate on academic tasks. All right, so that's a real concern. Now, there's another dynamic with this distraction. So I think all of that is just using these devices for academic purposes has, not, has natural pitfalls. We have to think about that. Um, we went into the classrooms partly with this question of how distracted are students when they're using their digital devices. We had this question in mind, and so we observed this really carefully. We wanted to know if, when students were using their laptops, whether or not they were more or less likely to be on task or off task compared to when they were not using their laptops. And the results were actually pretty encouraging. So let me, let me sort of interpret these numbers for you. We have, we have two different kinds of classroom observations. We have case studies, where we're sitting in the same classroom, um, for a longer period of time, watching a whole academic unit, right? So we wanted to know, um, we wanted to dig really deep into the pedagogy and how technology was used in particular cases. These were usually exemplary um, teachers who'd established the curriculum, and we wanted to know how they were using it well. Then the random classrooms was the, the teacher is going to find out 15 minutes before class starts that they're going to have a guest in the room, um, and that guest is just going to take notes. Um, what we saw was, and then we break it down by the level of school. So in elementary school, um, students were only off task a very, I, this number is wild to me, but only off task 1% of the time. I, I mean, it's almost hard to believe. I just, I have elementary school kids. I, mean, I, I don't get that. But anyway, um, but they were off task a very small percentage of the time, which means that the elementary school teachers were actually just doing a really good job, right, giving them productive things to do and moving them between activities on a relatively quick basis. And our, our standard for off-task was a, a significant chunk of time. So if you turn and you tell a joke to your friend, that doesn't count as off-task. You have to be like uh, not engaging the activity you're supposed to be doing for a couple of minutes straight, right? So really sort of, right, so keep that in mind. When you move up to middle school and high school, there are larger chunks of time in which um, students are off-task. 
Um, partly because we give um, middle school and high school students a lot more autonomy. And we might say, okay, go work on that for 20 minutes as a group. Um, and that, that makes it a lot easier to rack up a 10-minute period of time in which, say, you're off task, or a five-minute period of time in which you're not doing anything that's, that's productive. Now, here's the thing. is Then we ask, all right, of those times in which the students were off task, um, like, this is off task overall, then this is off task with technology. So of the time, I should say, this is of the time that we're using technology, what percentage of the time were they off task? And it's not much different. It's a little higher with middle school, and it's lower with high school. So it doesn't, from these kinds of numbers at least, it doesn't look like that the computers were the reason that, that students were off task. Now when we move over here, we were in classroom for longer periods of time, Maybe the students were a little more comfortable and easier to ignore the person at the back of the room taking notes. The off-task percentage goes up, right? There's always the worry about an observation effect. If you're sitting in the back of the room taking notes, are kids going to, you know, not want to go shopping online when they know you can see? Um, and so these numbers are higher, but our sample is also a lot smaller. So I don't want to make the comparison between these two um, too close. Um, in this case, for middle school, we see, again, a bigger percentage of off-task um, behavior with the technology, but it's about the same for high school. Um, so what do we get from this? We actually do see a whole lot more struggling with distraction in middle school than high school overall. Um, and that's probably not surprising to anyone who's ever worked with middle school students. I have, I have two daughters. One just moved into high school. One's a middle schooler. Um, and, and I mean, this is a constant self-control issue for my middle school daughter is, right? Are you going to use technology in a productive way? Uh, big picture, though. Big picture. We, we cannot conclude with any, we have no, no strong reason to conclude with these numbers that the computers were causing, in any way, shape, or form, students to be less productive than when they didn't have the computers. Right, students have, are pretty good at not being productive, right? Giving them a computer doesn't make it any worse. Um, and in this case, it was, it was pretty good overall. Okay. Um, last thing I want well, to talk about, though, is that there, there is, um, we, have a, we have a broadly pretty positive picture of the, of the way uh, kids in the schools that we observed were using technology. It was mostly on task. It was mostly academic. Caveat was, by the time we were doing this study already, mobile phones were rampant. Right now, I think uh, the last numbers I saw were that then this wouldn't have been true when we were gathering the data, but it's true today that something like 85% of high school students have a smartphone of their own. Right? So it is now normal, particularly in, um, in more affluent schools, that the owning a smartphone is just, is just assumed. Um, my daughter reminds me of this constantly. <laughs> um, because, because she doesn't have one. But, um, but that means that a lot of this social behavior had shifted to phones. So that for, our, for the students we talked to, their, their laptops were school productivity devices, and their phones were entertainment social devices. And they, they kind of segmented these, in part because there were filters on the internet and what apps you could use and whatnot on your laptop, but there was no such limitation um, on the phone. Um, and so anyway. But... Um, so I put, I put that down there, but then I also I, I want to note that when we start talking to students and asking them questions about, um, about when they, whether or not they struggle with distraction and technology and whether or not this is hurting them, self-reported, um, the students who had lower grades told us all of these things. The students who self-reported having lower grades reported that they're more likely to have felt addicted to the technology 
that they were twice as likely to report that technology was hurting their relationships. They reported much higher amounts of time with the technology, particularly video games, TV, movies, and social media. They reported less time in any kind of extracurricular activities or other kinds of engagement. And they were more likely to report seeking out sexual or violent content or content that knew was inappropriate. We asked these kinds of questions a couple different ways. Right, so so my, my warning is always that there is there's a there's a smallish group of students in every middle school and high school that is going to struggle a lot more with the technology. And it could be correlated and wrapped up in a knot of behaviors that really are problematic for them. So even if on average our high school students said, oh yeah, I deal with the distraction, it's okay, when you ask them about their peers, they were able to say, oh yeah, for that kid, it's a real problem. And they need to get their act together. Right. And this, this was kind of the sense. This is just something we all need to learn to do. And, um, and it's up to us all individually to struggle kind of heroically against the distraction um, that is rampant in our age from these devices. And that some students are failing and it's hurting them. And we know that. Um, and I think teachers would report the same thing. I think parents report the same thing. For some kids, this is particularly a problem. Um, and for other kids, they kind of, it's, it's not as big a deal. Um, and so I always like to end with this to note that we can report averages that are relatively positive and also note that there are particular students for whom this is going to be a real problem. Okay. Final thoughts. Um, first of all, it looks like for teenagers, screen time, um, concerns about screen time for teenagers fall into a couple categories. Um, are we using the devices productively? Um, usually, yes with the caveat that depending on the kind of academic use you're using, it might not be the best tool for the job. Right? And I think teachers are usually really pretty thoughtful about this. When we talk to them, they say, yeah, for this kind of thing, the computers are good. For that kind of thing, we've got to have the computers put away or we don't get the same kind of reflection. Right? And, and you can think about that with your own curriculum. Um, the, the, the second thing, though, is, is the broader concern that the distractions that are built into our devices uh, might cause more trouble than they're worth. And that's, of course, because we're building devices that are all-purpose devices that are designed primarily for, for entertainment purposes, but, by, but we sell them as productivity devices, right? Um, and, and, you know, and Apple and all the Android devices are, are certainly this way. They're optimized for viewing videos, right, and capturing videos and sharing them. But you can also use Microsoft Word. Um, and, and, those, and, you know, these are the devices that we're handing um, young people to use to do their homework. All right, so, so depending on the use, these distractions can be, can be a problem. All right, in the classroom then, you know, what do we pull away from this? Right? A couple of the high-level issues are, uh, you know, any time with devices, it should be structured. Um, but that's true for, for a lot of school time. Right? It's, not, it's not unusual for that. That's not surprising. But then also, the, the teachers that were most thoughtful that we talked to about using these devices um, basically gave us stories about how they were using or trying to develop um, particular habits and norms in their classroom that helps students give proper attention where they needed to give it, right? And so this, was, this would be um, stories of, you know, when, when can you have your phones and when can you not have your phones? For a lot of teachers, you know, the phones just were never out in the classroom. That was normal. Uh, it was, when are the laptops going to be open and when are they not going to be open? If there's something going on in the front of the room, none of the laptops should be open, right, if you're not supposed to be using them. And these kind of habits. And, um, and, and these became norms for the students, Right? If the teachers regularly were, were sort of laying down these guidelines when it was appropriate to be using the technology and when it wasn't, 
the students sort of absorbed these to the point where it was natural when someone was talking in the front for the laptop naturally to go down. Like, they wouldn't even have to be reminded. Um, and, these, and you can think about these. Those are simple things. But you can think of these, about these more generally. How do we shape a culture um, that helps students develop habits of technology use that are going to be less problematic for them? Right? That's the, that's the big, big question. Um, and that's, that's partly what we're trying to do in the book is to talk about that um, mostly just by observing teachers who are doing it. Okay, that's all I've got for you today. So, questions? Your high school age daughter does not have a phone. So, we have a... <laughs> let's go straight to the important things here. Uh, no. Um, yes and no. So, what we do is we have a phone that belongs to me um, that she can take with her if she's going somewhere, if I want to contact her. And the belonging to me is useful for two purposes. Uh, one is... So that means all the text messages are actually coming to me. And if, if I think there's anything inappropriate going on, I say, oh, let me see what's going on on my phone. Uh, and and that's, that's my claim to not giving her any electronic privacy. Um, and, um, and she understands that. Uh, she, I, I know she has private conversations with her friends, and that's totally appropriate. She can do that. Um, but, but it also means that I, I claim total control over all the apps that are downloaded. Right? So there's no social media. Now, she's only a freshman. I'm not sure I, I, I'll maintain that all the way through high school. Um, but uh, as a freshman girl, I'm, I'm very comfortable, you know, leaving social media out of the life for, for a bit longer and, um, and deciding when it's appropriate for the phone to be out. And, and she has no money, so. <laughs> Other questions? Are schools considering banning phones? Do you have an opinion on that, or is that... You know, um, yeah, so uh, I know schools in Holland that have, at middle school level. Um, but the ban usually looks like... I'm not sure. I, I don't know what the policy is at Grand Rapids Christian is, for instance. But there's at least one school in our town, where, uh, the middle school level, I don't know if this is still true, where there was... It was just a, if the phone is out, it gets taken away rule. Right, so put it in your backpack, put it in your locker. You can have it before school, you can have it after school, that's it. Um, and that is the policy that, as a parent, I want schools to put in place for my kids. Um, my kids are not yet at the phase where I want to be talking to them during the day. Maybe for some independent high school students that are juggling jobs or something, it would make sense, but... Middle school doesn't lock phones. No phones. Anywhere between eight and three. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, particularly for middle school. It's just like the odds of that phone being productively used if are close to zero. Yeah. 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 Um, what yeah. Tools do questions. Was your study published in 2015, or were all your studies done? Oh yeah. So I was get we were gathering the data then. The actual book came out in in 2020, okay. just as COVID was hitting. And all of a sudden, our questions about technology became totally different. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, how do we interact over Zoom in a healthy way? That's not in the book. Um, Were all your studies done in the Grand Rapids area and Christian schools? I am going to tell you that they were at Christian schools in the Midwest. In the Midwest. Okay. Yes. Right here. Have you done any research or have any opinion about when kids 
want to listen to music while they're doing work. Yeah. Is that yeah. Just, I mean, have you done anything on that? Well, I, you know, I'll tell you, it's, I have done no research on this. All I have is uh, two years of constant parent-child conflict. Um, and um, my, my middle school child um, has ADD. And um, and she, I mean, it's, it's serious enough. This is a constant concern, and we talk about it a lot. And we're trying to figure out how to manage it. And she claims that listening to music um, really helps her stay engaged with mathematics for a longer period of time. I don't know if that's true, but we allow her to, uh, to do it in part because, maybe because of the reward, maybe because she knows she doesn't want to lose her, lose her music. She actually does stay engaged with the mathematics for a longer period of time when she's listening to music. I mean, the problem is she also sings loudly. But, um, <laughs> but that's, you know, as long as she's you know, getting the math done. Um, and that, so that's one data point. I don't know about in school if I would ever, yeah. I think there are studies that say classical music helps, but yeah. I don't know about anything else. Yeah, it's really hard to get angry about Mozart, like yeah. in any context. Yeah. Right. Instrumental. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if you or anyone in the room can speak to... Smart watches. I collect. I collect the cell phones at the door in the hangar, but kids are on their smart watches. And do any schools have policies about also collecting smart watches or anything about smart watches? Anyone have experience with smart watches that's valuable? All, all I do is I, I tell students they can't have them in an exam mm-hmm. because you know you can have someone sending you texts. Right. I don't know if this would be in this wheelhouse, but um, you said a lot of kids take notes computer-wise. And yes. Um, do you know what the retention level is for writing your notes versus typing? So what we the, the data I have here um, indicated that one of the one of the studies I flipped through. Um, indicated that when you take notes, oh, and it was it was, it was with a phone. It was the note taking. The the study using laptops to take notes, um, they did show. I don't know. I don't. That study didn't analyze the content of the notes. All it analyzed was the academic performance after the fact, and um, and whether or not the the laptops were being used for multitasking during the note taking. And their results were pretty negative. And so I would back out from that and from from related studies that I that note-taking on laptops seems to limit memory. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a pretty consistent finding, that when you write things down by hand, your, your memory of, of, the, of the content is better. Um, but then also, just the constant distraction is, is an underlying problem. Um, yeah. Um, did you find any studies that show that um, media use in children creates shorter attention spans you know, this is this is a strong theme among studies of, of very young children, and uh, and I haven't seen attention span studies for middle school and high school students, which is my focus here, and so I didn't talk about that, um, and so I, I honestly don't know. It would not shock me if there was a correlation, um, and I don't know if that's from using a device or if it's from using a device in the way we currently do with the, with the short you know, social media sort of TikTok culture, you know, give me 10 seconds of, of entertainment and I'm going to get bored after that. Uh, like that could be a training mechanism in its own right in terms of you know, shortening attention spans, but I don't, I, don't have, I don't have data on that. Yeah. 
what's the time on this? Oh, five minutes. Did, are we supposed to be done now, or are we supposed to be done in five minutes? Up to you. Well, I mean, I, I'm happy to answer questions for a half hour, but like, you know, this is... Technically, it can go for five more minutes, but it can be done inside. All right. All right. Well, if anyone else has another question, I'm happy to answer it. Okay. If anyone else has any other questions, I'm happy to talk up here. <laughs> um, thank you so much for your time. And attention.